Eclectic Collection. Today is episode 81, The Little Birdie. I've been thinking about this for a while for two reasons. One, because I'm plagued by my thoughts and I can't refuse to get rid of them and they're like a bad loop tape in my brain since I have crazy memory. And two, because one of my buddies is a big time bird watcher. And uh, so shout out to Ethan because he is legit. My friend Adele is also a bird watcher and she is legit. And I just marvel that they know so much about birds and just can look at a bird that's hanging out in a tree and be like, oh, that's a warbler. This is a cardinal. That's a, you know, a dove. This is a seagull, like whatever. And know like, you know, what's that? Kingdom phylum genus, the whole nine yards. So God bless the bird people. But um you know, they're very into different birdies and uh, can identify them and stuff, much like I am to sharks. So I get it. You know, bird is to shark as uh, tweet is to, I guess, chomp. But <laughs> uh, there's this one little birdie that uh, makes cuts as, as story worthy. And it's it's a while ago, actually. It's 1996. And I, I guess I've been thinking about it lately because it's just one of those things where when you have like a trying time in your life... Um, you know, you think of other trying times and, uh, I've just been juggling a lot of things lately and I thought, okay, this is nothing compared to what you went through that time. So just shut up and get through it, you know, and you kind of snap yourself out of it. And, um, uh, you know, and I did and yeah, here I, so just, uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, looking backwards, uplifting situation because history can teach you a lot of what not to do again, or maybe what to do in terms of, um, you know, how much or how little, you're going to uh, react. And in this case, again, 1996, I was getting ready to come out of college, round one, and it was my undergrad, and it was a week before graduation. So it's like very early May, and I was, uh, you know, in a situation where you know, I triple majored, which is crazy. So I had English and Spanish and uh, psychology, and I had a couple of you know, certifications of minor. So I really squeezed everything I could out of my college education and got like tons and tons of, of uh worth out of it. And in four years, I was able to do a lot. And um, I went to school summer, winter, spring and fall. And I didn't do a fifth year. I just, you know, I did a lot of extra courses and I took classes over the summer and any little like nook and cranny and winter session or whatever I could. And I was, my grades were solid. I knew I was ready to come out. And there's always like a um, ceremony or a meeting, I should say, with each department. So, you know, if you're engineering, which I clearly was not, or nursing, which again, I clearly was not, I was big in liberal arts, but whatever your school was, your college would meet and all the deans and all the professors that were full professors would meet and have a, a meeting about every kid that was graduating, um, or every person, I should say, a lot of adults graduated with me too, um, and what you would recommend, yay or nay, that they're good to go, their stuff was turned in, you know, and it's really more of a formality. I didn't even know what happened behind the scenes until <laughs> this this day. I got a heads up from one of my absolute favorite professors who I'm still in touch with now, and uh, I'm like a shadow of, of what he was. I, I aspire to be as wonderful a, a teacher as him. And he called me and he was like, uh, got a little problem. One of the guys is really upset with you. And it was another professor that I was very close to. And uh, for personal reasons, his, not mine, um, it's a silly story. It was an odd thing because uh, we had a mutual friend who was one of the women that worked in one of the offices and I was very, very involved in college as I was in high school. So no surprise there with my so quiet self. Yeah, right. Um, I'm like the picture poster child for extroversion. 
So, you know, I was running the yearbook at one point. I was editor-in-chief there, and then I was on the media advisory committee, and I was in charge of the radio station. So I was always busy. I was always around people, and I was always around a lot of the offices and activities office and whatnot. I knew a lot of the deans, and I knew a lot of the, the uh, staff. So one of the women that was actually getting her college degree, she was an adult, but she was getting her college degree um, while, you know, working there. They often will offer classes to students um, that are working there or the employee's children. I knew her well, and she would basically, I came to know all this after the fact, had dated this one dean that I knew who had been long divorced. And, uh, you know, like I said, every adults and nothing strange. And, like, it didn't work out. So that was like two years prior. I was a sophomore. So here I am, flash forward, I'm a senior. And the week before graduation, he felt the need to bring up things that had happened in developments over the last two years. Basically, from sophomore till senior year, this other professor who was great had started dating this woman on the staff, and they would eventually end up getting married. Well, the year prior, while I was a junior, they asked me to DJ the event and MC it which of course I was more than happy to do. And I love them both. So I was honored to be there and be a part of it. And although this original professor was invited, he chose not to go and was very, very bitter. Okay, none of this has anything to do with me. But how sad is it that a subjective backstory like this could play into what you would hope would be completely subjective academia? So I noticed a difference toward me. I noticed that even though he was a dean and we were very close, he was just a little more critical of my papers or he was just a little more um, difficult when I had to sign into a class or he was just a little colder when talking. He still spoke to me, but our relationship was different and I certainly hadn't altered it in any way. But I didn't know if he was upset, sick, something else bothered him, whatever. And I tried talking to him straight up because that's how I am. And he was, oh, no, you know, fine, blah, blah. But we all know what fine stands for. So <laughs> I um, I just, yeah, okay, you know, so I blew it off. Your problem, not mine. I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever bounces off of me sticks to you. So I didn't think anything of it. Well, then here's the week before graduation, and I get a heads up from a totally third-party professor who's not to do with this. He was one of my language guys. And he's like, I don't think that the dean put you on approval. He was the only one at the table who didn't, and he never really offered a reason but you can request, like, uh, not a hearing, but information, like time to gather information and do some sort of investigation and see if all your ducks are in a row. I knew I was good to go. I knew I had not so much as a library book that I needed to return. My tuition was paid. My grades were done. I had back, I had all feedback. And, you know, senior year, you're doing a lot of, uh, in my case, student teaching. So that was its own entity and that was finished. And you also do your senior projects, which I had completed all of mine and all of my extra classes that I chose to take well, well in advance. So I wasn't waiting on any grades or anything. So what could possibly hold me up? And I already had the feedback. So if I had all my A's, like, hello, what, what's the problem? Well, I finally get the notice from the secretary that um, I need to appear to talk with him because he wasn't satisfied is how it was put with my uh, input and with all of my work. And I wasn't even in a class with him at the time. So I don't know what work you're talking about, buddy. So I thought, you know what? You get more with honey and vinegar. I'll just go. I'll meet with him. I will talk to him. 
I'll bring every piece of information I have. And at the time, we were just starting with the internet and just starting with email. So most things were still on paper, and that was pretty standard. So I, I liked pen and paper. You could prove it a little more easily. It wasn't like all got lost in cyber world. And I had all my stuff, and uh, I got up early. He wanted to meet me at like 8.30 in the morning, which is not my speed, especially when I was just finished classes and getting ready to um, you know, be off. And we had a thing called Bridge Week, where it was the week between graduation, um, you know, finishing classes and graduation, like post-finals. And it was for seniors. And there were events every day. You know, we had picnics. We would go out with our sister schools. We would have, uh, they'd have like different things at night. We had a campus bar and they would have like a, a thing for us there. And we had a dinner. We had a commencement ball. Um, every day was a different thing. And a lot of families, you know, I was local, obviously, but a lot of families had um, to come in from out of state and stuff. So it really gave kids a week to bring in their friends and fam to be able to experience everything nearby and on campus. And there was like formal dinners. And we also, uh, you know, like the, there was the nightingale ceremony for the nurses and the military uh, ceremony for the ROTC. And, and there was all different um, academic ceremonies and, and services for people that were getting commissioned or acquiring this or, you know, honors uh, colloquiums and, and such. So, uh, colloquia, I should say. So a lot was going on. And I just felt like, although I was a part of it, something of it was kind of being taken away from me because I was worried about this. So it was Thursday morning of that week that I had to meet. And I was nervous. And uh, my mom was up and, and um, I was staring out my kitchen window. And I have always been a paranoid character when it comes to, you know, will they, won't they, is this going to happen? Is it not, you know, what's my fate going to be? And my mother, God bless her, is very, very, very faithful. My mother has absolutely no doubt in any situation. It's just all going to be okay. It's just all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. I don't care what horrible thing it is. There's no question in her mind. And I just, again, I'm like a shadow of her. I just wish that I could uh, acquire that level uh, of faith, you know, someday, but it's just not even, disputable in her mind. Like, it's just, it's going to be whatever it is, it is, but it's all going to be okay. And I, I, you know, I can't quite always get there sometimes. I can't quite always get to that, that thought. And I was freaking out and, you know, she gave me a hug and a kiss and she said, it's going to be okay. And it'll all be fine. And he's going to look at you and all your stuff and knows you. And no matter what he thinks or whatever nonsense that he's upset about, none of that had anything to do with you. And, if it has to get ugly, it gets ugly. And we just point out that this is a personal thing and it has nothing to do with you, but it shouldn't have to, because if he's a good person inside or he realizes what he's doing to you inside because of him, then he, to be a good man, has to right his wrong, which, yeah, that's all great in theory, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen. <laughs> and I'm kind of arguing back with mom saying like, yeah, I know that's, that's what should happen, but that's like your perfect world and people are nasty and, you know, people don't always do what they're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm being as negative as possible. And at that moment, I looked out my window. We were both standing in the kitchen at our sink and there's a, we have like a little clothes um, hanger outside, like a little clothes tree. And uh, it, it has little you know, lines on it to hang the, the laundry and we don't always use it, but a little teeny brown bird, just a plain little bird. I, I guess he's a fin. Should have to ask Ethan and Adele. But this little bird landed, tiny little guy. And he landed right at the closest um, little wire that you could hang clothes on looking at us. And he kind of was like squeak, squeak, chirp, chirp, you know, and, and he was just 
being a bird, looking around, doing the weird head bob thing. And he stood there for a couple of minutes. And um, it was as if he was looking and talking to us. And my mom, being superstitious, Italian, my mother, and faithful, <laughs> looked up and said, see, right there. It's all the proof you need. It's all going to be fine. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, the little birdie. I said, what about the little birdie? He's cute, I'll grant you. But okay, what about him? He has nothing to do with me going to school. She's like, yes, he does. That That's God's way of remaining anonymous. He sent you this little birdie, like a little messenger, to let you know that it's all going to be okay and nothing's going to be bad. It's all going to work out. He's a little birdie and it's a little sign of hope. It's a little sign of life. It's all going to be okay. And he's letting you know to calm down. Now, where that came from, because I know in my mom's mind, that made total sense. She completely believed it. And, you know, it wasn't like a black bird, a dead bird. And I've had some other superstitious tales out there that you may have caught on various uh, platforms that I've, I've done because I've definitely mentioned this um, with different luck, if you will, or different things that could happen and unfold because of birds or, or near birds or superstitiously connected to birds. But in this case, I just was really fighting it. And she said, no, you're going to be fine. You, you'll see. That's all I needed. Like, that's that's extra proof for me. So you relax. Gave me another hug. Said good luck. Don't want to be late. Go and let me know what happens when, as soon as you come home. Come home right away. So I went to the meeting thinking, okay, I'm glad that you're hanging all this on a bird, Mom. You know, but whatever. I went and uh, I met with him. And he walked me to his office from the lounge outside and he closed the door and he's like, you know, there's some things I wanted to point out to you that you could have said in one of your papers. And I'm thinking that was like a semester ago, buddy. Like I've since been graded and got the paper back. I have it here. Your handwriting on it. It's been logged. It's in like central uh, office at the registrar and the grade's done. But I didn't argue. I was like, okay. He's like, let's take a little field trip. He walks me to the library across campus, takes me to this section with all of the books and, and, and literature from the um, courses that were English lit that he had taught. And it's funny because all this did was make me hate Robert Frost. I can't say I ever really felt any kind of way about Robert Frost, but we had a course that he must have had a thing for Robert Frost and we had to do a lot of Robert Frost uh, poetry and explications and things like that. And although at the time I didn't mind doing the work, that's what he brought up was this one Robert Frost work and it was the road less traveled. And all I could think was like, you know, miles ago before I sleep was what was in my head. And I thought, yeah, this is a road less traveled because most people don't have to go through this. Why are you making me travel it? Like, what's your issue? I hate Robert Frost, you know, and I never felt that way before. But uh, after this, I would. Takes me to this, you know, back then it was microfiche and you had to like find the book and then go get the book because we had these edifices that had books in them called libraries before you went to the internet. So you couldn't really find much on a computer at that time. So we go to the stack, we find the, the actual uh, compendium and then we go get the books. And he takes out like three big books and he opens up to the road less traveled and he opens up to Robert Frost and he reads like some passages out loud. And he's like, you know, what do you think of this? And what about that? And what does this mean to you? And did you miss this? And, you know, you mentioned this and this, but did you not think about this part? And, you know, how come you never really dove deep into that? And I'm like, why are you asking me this now? And if you didn't like it, like, why didn't you question it at that point? And then it hit me. It really had nothing to do with the work. It really had nothing to do with Robert Frost. It really had nothing to do with my 
explication of said poetry or works. It was his interpretation personally of what was going on in his life that he got left, that he was, in fact, the road less traveled, that this woman left him and went on with someone else. And it was a colleague and I guess it bothered him, you know, but uh, again, nothing to do with me. So I, I, I was like, I, yeah, I guess you could have looked at it this way or that way, but I was trying for the, I'll say the less known theory just because it was a play on the road less traveled. Like, why do people always kind of act like sheep and go do the one thing if you take the road less traveled? Like, you never know what adventures could befall you. If you're the lead lion, you know, the lead dog, then your scene changes. And he looked at me and he's like, you're right. You're right. Thank you for saying that to me. I think I understand now. And I'm like, okay, don't know what I did. And he closed up all the books. We returned them. We walked back to his office. He said nothing. I am freaking out because I don't know what's going to happen. And when we returned, he sat across from me and sat on his desk, did something quick on a computer, scribbled something on a piece of paper, looked up to me, folded his hands and said, I will definitely definitely recommend you for graduation at this point. Um, I'm sorry that it had to uh, take so long. There were some complications, yeah, invented ones by you, but I didn't say anything. I bit my tongue, as I normally don't do, but it worked in this case. And he said, uh, you're a very good student, and uh, you deserve everything that you accomplished, and uh, I was glad I could be a part of it. Thanks. And he stood up and shook my hand, wished me well, and that was it. Three hours later, I went home immediately told mom, who was immediately like, mm -hmm, I told you so, I knew. Thanks, mom. Uh, but I still didn't have an official word other than him. And then about three hours after that, I got a phone call from the registrar, the secretary, everybody saying, yep, you're good. Your diploma's been released. You're definitely graduating. You know, everything will be fine. And I was like, Phew. And I remember thinking, go little birdie. You know, so that little bird has always stuck with me. And to this day, um, whatever the situation, I, I kind of, I look uh, for for birds. If a bird lands nearby, uh, it could be as simple as I'm having a melancholy moment and feeling sad or something horrific just happened. I kind of look around and I kind of look for birds. And if a bird's nearby or a bird lands on my car or near a branch or whatever, I kind of look for the, the sight there in that bird. I look for the uh, the good thing, the good moment with that bird thinking, what are you telling me, buddy? Like what, what little messenger situation are you telling me? Are you just giving me some hope or are you telling me it's all going to be okay? And uh, I, I guess I put a lot on that bird, but mom did, so I don't feel bad with it. And um, the little birdie told me, literally, people joke like, oh, the little birdie told me that, or a little birdie told me that you did this or that. And, you know, it's, it's just funny, um, carrier pigeons aside, it really stuck with me. And uh, here we are, what, you know, 25 years later, still looking for the little birdie. And um, that one never left me. So lately I was uh, just contemplating some things, thinking, oh, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, it's, it's winter, so things are always a little tougher in the winter. It's colder. It's darker. It's, you know, everybody's in, in a slightly grumpier mood, like post holidays. And, uh, I don't like to get into a funk. I don't mind the cold, you know, cold never bothered me anyway. Heard that somewhere once, but, uh, I ended up just thinking, okay, well, just, you know, put your head down and, uh, ax to the grindstone, do what you got to do. And, and I generally jump into work when I have stuff to do. So hence we're podcasting like crazy. And that way, hopefully you have a lot of content to listen to and either, 
like and subscribe and think we're nuts or maybe check out other stuff that we're doing like our youtube channel on mysterious morsels you could go check that out that would be fun or maybe the book you could go check out the book if you like my crazy spooky stories you could go maybe to amazon and you could check out seven dreams and uh tell me if you uh, like that because i'd love some feedback because the people i have heard from have been fantastic and i do appreciate my collectors so you can go make more little collectors well, maybe not make them. It's not like gremlins where you pour water on them, but you can share. So if you like what you heard today, then check us out at CollectedCollectionPodcast.com or listen on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tanaglia. Thanks for listening.